Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Latest from the NHL, 16 minutes left in Ottawa. Senators up 3-2 on the Jets. Galchenyuk has scored. The go-ahead goal for the Senators tonight. Kyle Connor has his third of the season for the Jets. Early in the second period, Detroit leads Columbus 2-1. Bobby Ryan with his uh, fourth of the season already for Detroit. Penguins and Capitals tied 4-4 at the start of the third. About five minutes into the third, Chicago and Florida even at three. Same part of the game, Philly up 1-0 on the Buffalo Sabres. Konechny with his fourth of the year, and the Devils lead the Rangers 4-2, two and a half minutes into the third period. Oilers and Maple Leafs tomorrow, early one. Face-off show will be at 3.30 here on 6.30, Chad, and the game will start at 5 o'clock. It'll be, who do we have doing play-by-play tomorrow? Jack Michaels will do the play-by-play tomorrow since the game is on national television. Jack will do regional TV on Friday. And Cam Moon will have the uh, play-by-play here on 6.30. Chad, love working with those both those two guys. Cam, uh, pardon me, calling his first two games in the NHL. Games two and four this season for the Oilers. And, of course, he sounds great. Why wouldn't he? He's called over 1,700 games in the Western Hockey League, so he was raring to go. I love working with Cam, and it's great that uh, Jack is still around too. All right, you can get us at 780-496-0063. That is the number to call or text as we analyze the early season failings of the Edmonton Oilers. Heather says, put Connor Dreisaitl. Now, Heather, I love this typo you made because it says Yoko instead of uh, Yamo. I do not think you mean Yoko Ono on the line because that would cause the whole team to break up, wouldn't it? She says, put Connor Dreisaitl and Yamo. Uh, if it works, once we get the goals in our head, change it around. If it starts to fail, then put the three together. That is from uh, Heather. Another text says the Oilers need a motivational speaker. Maybe they can see if Matt Foley is available. Well, he could be good, couldn't he? Party government revoked in 1976 called Ballsy. Well, that was rescinded without any consultation. Okay. Well, I just realized what happened there. I think the wires were crossed. Well, you know what? I recorded that off my computer, but I also had the station coming through my computer. So I didn't realize it was going to record <laughs> David Bowles at the same time. Well, you can never get enough David Bowles. One of the, uh, they're, they're, I've, I've learned something new about working from home, which I have been about April, but I got to disconnect from the station to record the audio off the computer. But that, of course, the legendary Chris Farley and his Matt Foley motivational speaker character. That was good. Okay, so one of my first questions for the Oilers, uh, my first question off the top of the show tonight, who who are they? What is their identity? Can they go out there and uh, win a game with work or shot blocking or mistake-free hockey or intimidation or something like that if their big guys aren't scoring, scoring goals? So uh, here's something of interest Dave Tippett said last night. 
The competitive levels on defending, defending the front of our net, winning battles in our own zone, that's where we're having some issues with. We're, uh, for the most part, our team works hard, but there's a competitive level of winning battles, winning stick battles, loose puck battles, and defending the front of your net, and that's the areas we needed to improve on. And well, there was a more, there was a more mindset to do that tonight. We had more people that were engaged in doing it. Now we got to turn that into wins. You know what, Kellen? Let's let's just play that clip again. Please play that. The competitive levels on defending, defending the front of our net, winning battles in our own zone. That's where we're having some issues with. We're. Uh, most part our team works hard but there's a competitive level of winning battles winning stick battles loose puck battles and defending the front of your net and that's the areas we needed to improve on and well, there was a more there was a more mindset to do that tonight we had more people that were engaged in doing it now we got to turn that into wins all right so I, I really thought that was interesting how Tippett summed that up and he used the word mindset and that is, to me, part of the solution here for the Edmonton Oilers. Sometimes teams, whether it's hockey or any other sport, lose simply because they do not have enough talent. The, the players simply are not good enough. And I think we saw several teams over the years like that here in Edmonton, where maybe you could criticize decision-making or work ethic or execution, but at the end of the day, the roster simply did not have the ability to match up with the large majority of teams in the National Hockey League. So that'll happen, and we saw that happen too often with Oilers teams. This year's team, while I think there may be some deficiencies in talent in some areas should be better than it is through four games. I, I, I truly believe that if you look at how they have lost the games. And so what did Tippett say there? It is a mindset. And there has to be, as he said, a more competitive mindset. I would dare say a more desperate mindset, a mindset that might have a player going into a corner or engaging an opponent in front of the net or trying to clear a puck from the front of his net where a player has to say, if I don't make this play, it might cost us the game. And that is probably exhausting. And that probably takes a lot of effort. And that's probably going to leave you feeling tired at the end of the game. But it appears to me the Montreal Canadiens were able to do that for 120 minutes against the Oilers. If you look at the way they pursued loose pucks, the way they defended the front of their net, the way they tried to deliver checks, that the Montreal Canadiens came in here and every player said, I'm going to treat my shift and my individual little race or puck battle or clearing the puck the last six feet to get it over my blue line as the biggest play in the game up until that point. And then I'll deal the next one when I encounter it. Whereas I feel like the Oilers are not at that level. I think they can get to that level. I think we've seen them be at that level. I think they had some really good runs last year where they played with that desperation. But it's not there 
this year. And that's why uh, I, I expressed the frustration that I did earlier, why I have the questions about this team and why I think they're going to have better sections of the season than only winning one out of every four all the time. But, but they got to get there and they, and they have to make that decision where, okay, this is the standard we play at all the time. And this is to get back to what I'm talking about with the identity of the team that on a night when the power play is being shut down or McDavid is being checked or isn't a hundred percent or dry is getting harassed by the other team and can't buy one, or you're up against a hot goalie that you can still say, all right, we're not going to score five, but here's what we're going to do. We're not going to give up any cheap ones. We are going to punish the opponent and we are going to engage wholeheartedly in every battle as necessary and if we get beat doing that, well, we'll accept that, but the other team's going to leave the rink having felt it. Goalie Doc is on the line. Go ahead, Goalie Doc. Oh, hi, Reed. Thanks for taking my call. I'm going to kind of be positive uh, with the, all the negativity that I'm hearing. My analysis, even though I'm a family physician and not a psychiatrist, is that I think that the problem is, is that they're afraid to, they're playing afraid to make a mistake. And I think with that mentality, uh, that seems to be what's carried over from the Chicago uh, area. They played a good game on the second game. And I think what's happening is when, when things start going wrong, then they're starting to, to worry about making uh, a mistake. And that's, that's what I see what's happening um, at Rogers Place. Now, I think I'm going to be really positive, and I'm going to say, I think with them going out and uh, getting away from Rogers Place, maybe playing on the road, then they'll play a simpler game. And uh, I think they just need one win to turn it around. And we'll be talking a lot differently if they come back winning three out of the four and uh, where they feel less pressure. For some reason, uh, home uh, ice doesn't seem to be an advantage for the Oilers ever since the uh, play-in series. And that's my kind of take on it. I think it's a little bit, uh, you know, like there's lots of skills. They've got the skills. I mean, they maybe have to put the pieces together properly. But I think that they have the skill to win. But I think it's, uh, I think there's a little bit uh, with, the, with the psychology uh, what's happening. If they start, and, and it's not fun for them to play when they're worried if they're going to make a mistake. There's people making mistakes that don't normally make the mistakes you know in, um over this period of time so that's my take on it i don't know what you think but that's what i'm thinking well, I, I, I yes i do think some of this is between the ears um maybe they lost a little confidence in that playoff series and are still doubting themselves i yeah i don't know maybe they miss having mike smith around though he was there for the first game of the season maybe they miss having james neal around who was a veteran guy who could play with a little bit of a, an edge, you know, I think I was talking to a former NHLer today and he said, it's a hard thing to do, but you need somebody in the dressing room that can quite frankly, sometimes call out guys if they're horse bleep, you know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and you put yourself on the line too. I mean, and if it's a goalie like Smith, he's going to have some bad nights, right? And maybe guys are yeah. going to be like, oh, I can't believe yeah. he called me out. And he had a game like that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if, it, and I do think there are different ways to lead. 
I, I don't know if Connor and Leon or Nuge are Nuge are yellers. You know, I don't know if I'm sure they say yeah. stuff, um, but I don't know if they're, you know, co- confrontational and getting in guys' grills all the time. So maybe, maybe that is part of it, that there is something going on here well, I think I think we know there's something going on confidence-wise because we, like, as I've said a million times tonight, we've seen this group of players because most of the guys are back from last year. We've seen this group of players play better than they currently are, even if there are deficiencies in the roster. We've seen this group be not as checked out as they were the last couple of games. But I'm going to be positive and like to see how they play on the road and see if they can turn it around and just see that it's uh, get their their mind and the right uh, you know not worried about making mistakes and more about having fun and playing like they can play all right goalie doc how's uh, how's the world of being a physician treating you uh hanging in there making saves but not on the ice <laughs> you're a good man thanks for calling okay bye that's goalie doc 780-496-0063 a little bit on the uh, good old power play when we get back play on this road trip we'll see how that goes and more queens of the stone age don't mind that this is off uh is this in your head in my head yeah oh what was that album called it was the one after songs for the deaf don't tell me um oh i can't remember the name of the album kellum do you remember I don't, but I remember the video game it's from, Need for Speed Underground 2, because I had that one. <laughs> Nobody texted in if, if Teletubbies are evil or nice. This, uh, that album was, oh yeah, Lullabies to Paralyze. There we go. Yeah, that's a good Lullabies album. to Paralyze. Okay. Okay, this texture says, oh, this, this is amazing. I need this person to call in. I'll read the text, but you got to call in. 780-496-0063. Because this, this is some, something somebody is, could easily make up, but maybe there's a way we could uh, verify it. This individual says, hey, Reed, the reason the Oilers suck at home is because there is a go Leafs go under the carpet in the Oilers room. I was working as a beat cop when the rake was being built and spoke to a worker who was doing the floor in the room. He was from Ontario and a Leafs fan. He wrote go Leafs go on the floor before putting their carpet down. I saw the pictures from the worker's phone. He was jacked. He pulled it off. <laughs> That's Well, they were pretty good at home the first year in the building. So there you go. That's that's quite a story, if true. <laughs> I just sent that off to someone with the Oilers. Maybe they'll pull the carpet up. If you can get those pictures, send them to me. Email them, insidesports at 630chet.com. Wow, that's a good one. Apparently, a worker constructing Rogers Place 
wrote Go Leafs Go on the floor before putting the carpet down in the Oilers dressing room along the lines of the uh, the lucky loony. Well, it hasn't helped the Leafs win a cup either, though. I'll tell you that. Though the Leafs are 4-0 at Rogers Place, so maybe that's the impact. Peter's on hold. Go ahead, Peter. Hey, how's it going? Good. Is that you that texted that story? Uh, no, it wasn't. Oh, I think about the Stuart, or Stuart Skinner one. Okay, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so, um, I mean, he seems like a good, like, like how old is he, if you know? Like, Sorry, you're old. cutting out a little bit. Did you say how old is Stuart Skinner? Yeah. Well, what is he, 22? Just double-checking. Yeah, yeah, he turned 22 in November. Yes. Yeah. So, like, you think he, like, cause he reminds me a lot of Tristan Jarrett, like, from the days when he was so old. He's like, why not give him a shot? Like, Koskinen's getting pounded in the head and put him in, see what he'll do. Yeah, I, I've been asked that before. I don't know if they're going to give Skinner a start, and, and I think that's why they claimed uh, Jake Grostick off waivers, and he should be ready to join the team by the time they're back after the road trip. He might start a game in that back-to-back on the 30th and 31st. I think if they thought Skinner was ready to be in the NHL, they wouldn't have re-signed Mike Smith. So I think they want Skinner to be you know, a starter in the AHL You know, if they can send him there this year. But, yeah, that's a fair question for sure because Koskinen doesn't always inspire confidence. Okay. Sorry, man. We're, we're, you're cutting out a lot, but uh, sorry about that. Maybe we'll get you on a better connection some other night. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Skinner... He's got potential. I, you know, Rodriguez is another goaltending prospect for the Oilers. Ilya Konovalov. And somebody asked last week why they didn't bring him over from Europe. He's not actually under contract with the Oilers yet. So that's why they why they brought Rodriguez over. The Oilers' power play was 0 for 7 last night. It was 0 for 10 against the Canadians in the two games. Here's Dave Tippett. I think we got to shoot the puck more. We, uh some chances but uh, you got to bury some of those chances but uh, Montreal's doing a good job around the front of their net and you got to pay the price to score and it, we didn't bury the chances and uh, didn't shoot the puck enough so well they didn't shoot the puck enough and Montreal did a good job killing penalties I still think the Oilers power play is going to be very good it was frustrating that it couldn't get them back into that game last night or perhaps even win it but they're going to have to adopt, uh, adapt, and Tyson Berry is going to have to shoot. You know, Rob Brown's coming up. He's going to explain the value of a point shot. Even if you're not shooting at 100 miles per hour or even scoring most of the time, you have to present more than one option for the defense to defend. I believe uh, there's some bad weather coming in. Heather says the power is out in Spruce Grove. I think we got some wind. There is a snow squall warning in effect. So if you have bad weather in your area or power outages or if there are things that you feel people need to be warned of, you can let me go know and I'll pass that along. Rob Brown's coming up on Inside Sports. All 
right, updating the scoreboard. Devils leading the Rangers 4-3 late in the third. Also late in the third, Flyers up 2-0 on the Sabres. Blackhawks and Panthers 4-4. Capitals and Penguins 4-4. Jets and Senators now tied at 3. Morrissey ties it with a minute 17 left, so they're going to overtime. Blue Jackets and Red Wings 2-2 early in the third. Potential for a lot of overtime tonight. Avalanche and Wings coming up at 8 o'clock. Before we get to Rob Brown, i got a caller on the line named Travis, who I encourage to call in as he texted in this story about someone having uh, written Go Leafs Go under the carpet in the Oilers dressing room. Okay, Travis, uh, are you a police officer? Yeah, I am. Okay, and so what was your role inside Roger's place at that time? I was actually outside. Me and my partner were just walking around by the LRT on the north side. And we just stopped a worker and was chatting him up because it was coming near the end of the the build. They were wondering if it was going to be finished in time. And he said he was doing the floor in the room. I said, oh, you got pictures. Let's see the room. And he shows me. And sure enough, he shows me this picture. He's like, you'll love this. And he flips through his pictures. And there's a huge lull that says, go, leaves, go. And he's like, yeah, I put it in the middle of the floor right over. And then I put the carpet over top of it. And nobody even knew about it. And he started laughing. So it was, it was pretty funny. I got a good chuckle out of it. So this would have been the summer of 2016 then? Yeah, and they were just, uh, they were coming, because I wasn't sure if it was going to be done in time. So I asked him, and he's like, yeah, it should be close, blah, blah, blah. I'm doing the floor in the building, and I did the oldest room, and look at this. And then he flipped me the picture, and I couldn't believe what I seen. I'm like, oh, man, if they suck, that's going to be the reason why for sure. So he wrote the, what, did he paint it, write it in marker? What did he do? I, I think it was like a Sharpie possibly, but it was black and it was fairly big. Like it was, I don't know, it's quite big for, like it's big enough to notice it that it wasn't like in small writing. It was big. It was probably, I don't know, maybe a foot big. Right. And then the carpet was laid over top. Yeah, and the carpet was laid over top and he's like, yeah, nobody knows about this. And he chuckled and just kind of carried his lunchbox and continued on his way. Oh, so this isn't someone you're friends with. This is just someone you ran into. Yeah, this was just a worker. We were just walking our beat, doing the usual, and he just decided to stop this guy and chat him up. And, yeah, that's what he showed us. And so uh, are you no an Oilers fan? Was. He was, oh, of course I am. I have no idea okay. who this guy was. He was from Ontario, and he was missing a few teeth. And, yeah, it was quite, uh, it was quite comical. All right. Well, maybe we can look. I, I don't know if that carpet would have already been replaced in there or not. I, I would guess probably not. So uh, maybe maybe something I can I can alert the Oilers to. Uh, well, Travis, what do you think of it? I got to take it take it up and get rid of it. That's the issues. Well, yeah. Well, like I said, the Leafs are four and zero in that building, <laughs> and they're going to play there weird. more times this year. All right. That's weird. What do you think of the season so far? Uh, it's not good. They better turn it around very quick or else they're not going to be in playoffs this year. Okay. Well, Travis, thanks for that story. I'll see if we can investigate. Okay, buddy? Thanks for listening. Okay, to have a good night, Reed. Bye. All right. That is Travis at 780-496-0063. So he claims uh, on the beat downtown uh, in the summer of 2006, some uh, a worker who had put the carpet into the Oilers dressing room before he laid the carpet wrote, Go Leafs Go in large letters on the, I guess the wood underneath the carpet and then put the, the carpet over top or maybe it's concrete under there, I suppose. Anyway, as, as we bring in uh, Rob Brown, that's quite a tale. If, if well, I mean, Travis said he saw a picture, so I, I don't know. We'll see if we get, get to the bottom of the carpet, so to speak. 
I believe it. I could see something like that happening. Now, now I'm intrigued. Now I want to rip up the carpet and see what's going on underneath there. But no, uh, I fully believe that that is a true story. And I guess now if you're, uh, if you're with the Oilers organization, is it worth pulling up the carpet and checking it out? Yeah, I don't. I don't even know how often a carpeted a dressing room would get uh, get changed. <laughs> Well, I guess it depends. I don't, what, even, I don't even know. That. Depends what organization you're in. When I played in Pittsburgh, I'm pretty sure I I was there in '87, and then returned back there in '90s, uh, or sorry, in the 2000s. I finished my career there. I don't think the carpet was changed the whole time I was there. So I guess it depends on the organization. Well, how long does carpet last in a house? Like at least 20 well, years, wouldn't it? it? Well, in my house, well, maybe six not. Weeks. I don't know. Between two dogs and two children. Well, it should have been changed after six weeks. Unfortunately, we still have it 18 years later. Okay. Well, that's an interesting little little side story tonight. By the way, uh, I, I, I don't... It, the wind is so loud, my mic might be picking it up. It is, in, it is insane. I have my drape shovel. One of my friends who lives in the West End just texted me so much wind. Uh, got a note here... Um, well, I told you the power was out in Spruce Grove, windy in St. Albert. I assume so. I assume it's windy where you are, Rob. So I mean, we gotta. I, it, it doesn't. To, from what it sounds like, it, it. I don't know if it's snowing as well, but it doesn't sound like you should go outside right now if you don't have to. <laughs> it sounds awful. Well, I, I kept getting warnings on my phone saying snow squall, and I'm like, I don't even know what a squall is, but I do know now it's something that can blow you over if you walk outside. My buddy just said his fire pit's blowing across his backyard, and he said, "Well, as long as it's not lit, you're okay," but. We'll see. No, it is ugly outside. Uh, yeah, and it's well, just yeah. My oh, geez, my power just flashed quickly off and mine on. Mine too. Well, so did mine. All right, up here in Saint Albert. <laughs> okay. Well, Kellen, if I get knocked off the air, uh, go to go to a commercial, and then uh, we'll help call it and finish the show that way. We had the same so, power blip here too. So. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's 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 uh, that is really interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's ugly out there. Anyway, it was ugly for the Oilers' power play last night. Rob, just just break this down for everybody again. Can you explain the value of, of shooting from the point on the power play, even if you don't have a howitzer, and even if maybe you think you're not even going to score? Well, the, the reason you shoot the puck from the back end, it, it, there's a couple big reasons why. First of all, when you put a puck on net, nobody knows where the rebound's going. It hits the goalie, it bounces everywhere. The forwards, the offensive team has the advantage. They're looking at the goalie. The defenders are looking away. So right away, if there's a rebound, the forwards are going to jump on it. They have that split second where they can jump on it. But what happens, wherever the puck goes, now there's a race. So now there's confusion. If you stay in your, your, your lanes the whole time, just move the puck around the outside, the defending team, they know exactly where they're supposed to be at all times because you practice it over and over and over again. You're not making them work. They're not getting tired. When there's a rebound and say it goes five feet behind the net, a defender's chasing it, you're chasing the defender if you're on offense. There's a puck fight, and now all of a sudden that defender's out of place. Now you move the puck, now the next guy's out of place. So now there's confusion. So really when you put a puck on it, you're sowing confusion in the defenders. You're getting them out of their sweet spot. So that's the first thing you want to do. The second thing... If you don't shoot from the point ever, the box, the four guys defending, they just sink towards their goalie. So all of a sudden, a box that's quite wide from blue line to goal line gets smaller and smaller, eventually gets from 
you know, just above the hash marks to the goal, to the, the crease. So now it's very small and all four defenders are in front of the goaltender. So any passes down low now aren't going to get through. You're not going to be go cross ice. You're not going to be able to go from the goal line to a guy in the slot because all four defenders are there. And in actuality, the penalty killing team now has the advantage because they have four players down low and usually there's only three guys at most on the offense. So you're getting outnumbered even though you're on the power play. When you shoot, all of a sudden the defender now has to respect the shooter and he moves out. Especially if it's a guy taking a one-timer, he has to get out very quickly. Once you shoot once or twice, the defenders start moving out higher. That opens the cross seam. That pushes the defenders into a wider box which allows for easier passes. So the Oilers that love their cross-ice passes, love their pretty plays, love making the, the, the down-low uh, sneaky passes back door, those plays become more available when you shoot the puck early on a power play because the defenders cannot crash the net. They have to respect the shooter. Right now, they're not. And you talked about it yesterday. Barry was wide up, open at the point, and he had probably, you know, 25 feet between him and the first defender. So the Oilers have got to pull that top guy out. The only way you can do that is put pucks on net. And it's not as though Barry can't shoot. He's got a howitzer. He missed the net on one yesterday, and it was it was loud when it hit the backboard. To me, you brought Barry in for a reason, to run your power play. He's taken the spot of Clefbaum. He is uh, probably has a better pedigree as a power play defenseman. That's why he's in the National Hockey League, a big part of it. And you're taking away his biggest threat, the shot. The Oilers... To me, the first power play they get in, in Toronto, first five seconds, get the puck back to Barry, let him fire it. And even if it gets blocked, that's pulling a guy out. Next time, he's not going to be as willing to go block a shot because it hurt the first time. So shoot, shoot, shoot. And that's one thing they're not doing enough of. Yeah, and I, and I think the power play will come around. I don't think it's going to go at a, a two-for-18 clip all season long, but clearly they, ha- they have to make some adjustments. And, and I wonder, too, Barry coming in, and he's thinking, oh, like these three guys are so good, i got to give them the puck. But as you've often said, shooting is not a selfish play if it's the best play. And, and, and as you touched on, that's why he was brought here. So he's not being selfish if he blasts away. He's, he's doing his job. The problem for for Barry coming in, he's coming to the best power play in the league. So you don't want to come in and all of a sudden you start taking touches away from Connor, touches away from Leon, and and the power play struggles because you're you're the one that's uh, shooting too much when you shouldn't be. So he he was going to... And it was... Everyone knew this was going to happen. Anytime you go play with a great player, the first thought is get him the puck. Get him as much as, as possible. And if you're a new guy, you're like, okay, let Connor have the puck. But he's now going to start to get comfortable. He's starting to see where he fits, and he's going to see when he should shoot, when he shouldn't shoot. Oscar Clefbaum didn't pass all the time. He had lots of one-timers last year. Nugent Hopkins always did a little behind-the-back pass to him, and Clefbaum walked into. Barry's going to find his his sweet spot. He's going to figure out when he should shoot, when he should pass. I mean, just simple things, breaking the puck out. He talked about it the other day. He thought the puck from dry settle was coming to him and then panicked when it went over his stick and started going back the other way. Uh, without an exhibition season, he's coming in uh, at a big disadvantage, but he'll catch up. The one There's a lot of problems with the Oilers team right now. The one problem I think will go away very quickly will be the problem on their power play. It's it, They're too good of hockey players and had too much success. That will get back to where it was in the past. The other issues are the ones they're going to have to worry about more. 
Well, and I've been spent most of the show talking about those, and I, I don't know what their identity is. And to me, it's um, it's a little now. This is good for this player, but it's a little mystifying to me that Kyler Yamamoto is the closest thing they have to a power forward, and he's five foot six. <laughs> and we've seen it behind the play; players are starting to go back at him. And, you know, little shoves, he hits guys, they're, they're slashing him going to the bench, face, face wash going to the bench. He's, uh, he's irritating the opponent. I'm just wondering who's going to try to take the heats off, off the five foot six guy and maybe play a little bit of that role too. I agree. I remember last night there was one shift he was going off to fully cross-checked him, then punched him in the face. Both of them should have been penalties and the ref watched. And that was wrong on the referee. That should have been called. But he's getting under the skin of the opposition. And it's funny. There's certain players get under your skin. You look back to Ott used to play in Dallas, Avery that played for the Rangers. They got under your skin because they were mouthy. They were a little cheap, a little dirty. Yamamoto gets under your skin simply because he's tenacious. He's not dirty. He's not, uh, uh, there's no viciousness in his game. It's just he never stops. And you think that, okay, I've left him behind. I'm going to make a play. And there he is again. And he just keeps going at you over and over and over again. It's just irritating. Uh, but, yeah, the, he shouldn't lead your team in, in takeaways. He shouldn't take, lead your team in hits. He shouldn't lead your team in penalty minutes and physicality. Uh, that's not his strength. But when other players aren't doing it to their capabilities, it becomes so much more noticeable when Yamamoto does. And there's players on this team, on this roster, that are there for a certain reason. I think w- when you talk about the others not having a, a identity, I think I look to certain players not understanding their role and relishing their role. Um, I, I don't want to pick on any players, but Akira, when he's in the lineup, every time he's on the ice, he's got to finish at least two checks. I mean, I, I, I don't, as a coaching staff, I don't care if he could put two passes together. But if he gets the puck at the center line, he better get the puck in deep, and then he goes in and crashes a defenseman. Cassian is on the first line, not because of his playmaking ability. He's on the first line because he creates space for Connor McDavid and for Ryan Nugent Hopkins because he drives through the middle, because he gets in hard on the forecheck, because he adds that element of uh, fear. I, I mean, when Cassian's at his best, defensemen are looking over their shoulder when the puck gets shot in. They're a little hesitant going into the corner. And we haven't seen that out of Cassian yet this year. We haven't seen the physicality out of Kara this year. And those are things that they have to bring. That's why they're on the team. And I think right now certain players on the team are not understanding their roles or are not accepting of their roles. Well, yeah, and that's that's been a big theme for me tonight too. It's 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 one thing to talk about maybe a talent gap or holes in the roster, and hey, there there are some for the Oilers, but some of the gap is players not doing what they're supposed to or not being anywhere near their potential. And to me, that's that's an issue because then something's going on motivation wise, confidence wise, teamwork wise. Um, they, you know, and I, I said this earlier, we, we've seen some bad teams in Edmonton, but some years I wasn't thinking, well, that's a deficient team or that's like a team that's deficient in its concentration and its commitment. Some, some years it was just like, they could play as hard as they want. They're going to lose. Like, you know, 
But this year, I, I'm thinking, okay, that's that's not the team we saw for most of last year. Oh, I agree. And, and certain players, when they're... It, it's hard. I, I've played with guys that have been put in roles and they wouldn't accept those roles. And eventually they find themselves out of the league. And a lot of players that play third and fourth line minutes, when they played college or junior, they were goal scorers. They were playmakers. They were power play guys. Uh, but when you get to the NHL, it's another step up. And you look at the Oilers, there's not power play room on this team. You got the first power play unit that's going to play a minute 40, and that's only if they don't score. Usually they score before that. So there's not room for that. But if you want to play in the league, then you got to learn to be a checker. You got to learn to be the guy that when the puck comes around the boards, you absorb a hit to make sure you get the puck over the blue line and out. You got to know that when you get to center and the line you're playing on, that your job is to get the puck rimmed hard around so that your winger can get a, a forecheck going. Your job isn't to try and beat a guy one-on-one -on -one and oops, I turned it over. It's going back the other way. So some players will never accept the fact that that's what their role is or that's how they're going to be in the national hockey league. And those players eventually find themselves on the outside uh, of the league. And three years from now, sitting in a bar complaining to their friends, I could have been there. I should have been there. The coaches didn't understand me. Well, I'm, I know Dave Tippett enough. And I know the coaching staff enough to know that it's probably been explained very well to every player on this team what they need to do to be successful for this team. So if they are not doing it, it's on the player. This, I mean, you and I can sit in the stands and we can tell, we can go through every player on this team and say, okay, here's what they need to bring for this team to be successful. So if you, can, you and I can see it, I'm pretty sure Dave Tippett and the coaching staff probably could explain it to those players as well. So if it's not being done, that's on the players, not on the coaches. Okay. Rob, look forward to connecting tomorrow night. We're both going to be broadcasting from home, so that'll be uh, different, but we're going to enjoy doing it. Thanks for checking in tonight, buddy. Your connection sounded good, so we're ready to rock. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to go uh, buckle up on my way home right now so I don't blow away. All right, that is uh, Rob Brown checking in. And, uh, yeah, getting a few texts now about the uh, wind. Uh, this person says, just drove to St. Albert, or from St. Albert to Westlock. The wind is ridiculous. Had to go 40K an hour at some spots. Lorraine says, we have some 200-year-old spruce trees that are bent almost double. Husband says they're blowing away from the house. Uh, Roadhammer says it's super windy outside with blowing snow, actually blowing my tractor from one side of the highway to the other, and I'm hauling 48,000 pounds. So be safe out there. Probably if you don't have to go out this evening, you might just want to stay home because it sounds quite treacherous, and I can hear the wind here sitting in my, uh, in my home office. It's 7.52. We'll take a quick timeout. ugly out as the snow squall has hit Edmonton and region Devin says to the text of the show here says shingles flying off the roof in Sherwood Park I've uh, saw somebody tweeted a picture of their barbecue has been knocked over and apparently there are uh, at least some power outages throughout the city of Edmonton maybe in other areas so it, it is ugly uh, and I'm, like I can hear it it's quite loud here in my uh, in my office in my second floor and i live kind of just northeast of downtown 
So something's coming through. It's it's gross, and uh, you know somebody texted in about uh, his his truck being blown all over the road. So I would say do not go outside if you don't have to. This this is a pretty nasty wind, and it could uh, last for a while. So there, I appreciate the updates coming in because you're my eyes and ears out there, and uh, for our station whenever whenever we have some severe weather like this. So I pr- appreciate that some some updates are being shared and it does sound pretty bad uh i I read the text somebody driving from st albert to westlock had to slow down to 40k an hour road hammer says he's driving his uh his uh his tractor trailer and says he's hauling forty-eight thousand pounds and he his tractor's being blown from one side to the other so it's gross it is uh (laughs) it is gross and sounds like there are power outages so uh, i would say be safe be warm definitely stay inside unless you absolutely have to go out all right well appreciate the show tonight everybody we'll see if the oilers can look a little better tomorrow maybe a lot better as they take on the toronto maple leafs we will have it for you uh oh somebody says that there's thunder and lightning east of edmonton my goodness this is a nasty one okay Tomorrow, Edmonton at Toronto, 3.30 face-off show. The game will start at 5. Get it all on 6.30. Ched, Jack Michaels, and Bob Stoffer will have the call. You heard from Rob Brown and Gord Stellick tonight. Thanks to everybody who chimed in by texting and calling. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer. So we got the game tomorrow. I'll be back with Inside Sports on Thursday and then another game on Friday. My name's Reed. Stay warm. Stay safe. Have a good night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.